Hey, where is life? No, it's not in me. I thought I would get you. I figured I'd get you on that. How many of you went, it's in you? No, it's not. It's in God. Now, here's our problem. That's actually how we live our life. That's how we live our life. It really is. We have this thought that life is all in you. It's in me. That's how we live. That's how we make our choices. It's how we make our decisions. I mean, how else can you explain how we end up in some of the situations that we end up in, right? I mean, how how do we end up with some of the the difficulties and and the problems? How do we get in that, between that rock and a hard place? Oftentimes, it's because of the very choices we make because we say this, hey, it's my life, right? Bon Jovi sing about it. I'm going to live it. Or if you want to go back a few more years, you might remember that um, old Blue Eyes saying, I did it my way, right? This group over here has no idea who old Blue Eyes is, by the way. <laughs> they got no clue. Uh, for the rest of you, tell about who is old Blue Eyes? Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra, that's right. But we get caught up in this idea that life is just all about, it's all about me. It's all about what I want, and it's about what makes me happy. Have you heard that one before? Well, hey, I just want to to be happy, and and this this makes me happy, and and that person makes me happy, and and, and this job makes me happy. Living here makes me happy. Um, Taking this makes me happy. Drinking this makes me happy. And it's all about, it's all about me. It's all about what I want in my life. As if we have been put here for the sole purpose of just being me. Just being me. And finding my own happiness and finding what it is that truly brings me, brings me joy. That's how we live our life. And let's just be honest, it hasn't gotten us very far. Did you know that within our culture, within our society here, that we are one of the most, if not the most, medicated societies in the entire world. Yeah, we are. All because we cannot handle the situations that oftentimes our own choices have put us in. We are filled with stress and we are overcome with worry and we're always wondering what's going to come next and how am I going to succeed and how am I going to to climb this ladder and how am I going to pull myself up out of this hole? And relationships crumble and bankruptcies are filed and there's just all of this turmoil and all this chaos and all this problem. And so much of it can just go back to the very thing. Where is life found? We say it's right here. It's in me. We want to be successful, right? Been hanging out with a lot of graduates recently. We've got high school graduates that are about to... um, Walk across the stage, I was with some college graduates yesterday, and on everybody's mind is this idea of, of being successful and this idea of, of making life work. Making, making life work so that when all is said and done, we can look back and say, yeah, that's my life, and, and look what I did, and, and look at all the things that I, that I accomplished. We want to be successful. So much so that we've come up with something called life hacks. You guys know what life hacks are, Right? Little things that you do that make life simpler, make life more easy, make life more effective, just make life work better so that we can succeed and so we can be all that we want to be. I found some I thought I'd share with you. This is pretty cool. 
Tie a small piece of bright colored fabric to your luggage. Saves a lot of time to check if you're looking for your bag, right? Those of you that are going to be traveling a lot, I know uh, Tim Evans, you're about to uh, fly the friendly skies. All right, a nice pink bow on your um, luggage. I think that'll work well. You'll be able to find it when you, get, when you get to France. Here's another one. Those of you going to college, your dorm smell bad? Tape a dryer sheet over the AC unit and turn it on. Anybody done that before? Anybody? Yeah, uh-huh. Look, some of you are like, yeah, I've done that. Hey, you do it in your car already, except you don't do the dryer sheet, right? No, you go and buy the Febreze. And you, you stick it in the little air vent and it blows. Same concept, but... Just a little less expensive, right? Look at this next one. Bounce batteries to see if they're good or bad. And I thought this was pretty cool. You drop them on the table from about six inches, and if they give one small bounce and fall right over, they're good. But if they bounce around any more than that, they're dead or they're on their way out. And that is good to know. Because I'm always wondering, you know, is my microphone, is that battery going to work or not? And so I, I, from now on, I'm just going to come up here with batteries. I'm just going to start bouncing them on on the table. Look at the next one. I thought this was good. You need an inexpensive cookbook holder? Try a pants hanger. Now I know some of you use your iPads now or your phones to get different recipes, but uh, in our house we still have cookbooks. I know a lot of you still have cookbooks, right? And so you just get a pants hanger and you just hang it up there and, and off you go. I think that's great. Look at the next one. When taking a picture, squint your eyes to make your smile look much more genuine. Is that what that is right there? A genuine? Now, I don't know what you do about the wrinkles that you get after you squint your eyes, but that's just kind of how, um, it's kind of how it goes, a life hack. All right, what's the next one? I really like this one. This was cool. Look at that picture. Use a, and I'm glad they tell you a clean dustpan, to fill a container that doesn't fit in the sink. I mean, look at that. That, that is an awesome thing. You, you've been here before, right? You've had that bucket that you tried to get underneath the, the, the faucet. You can't do it, right? I'm like, who knew? It's awesome. Now, this is for all of you IBC lovers. David Brandt, this is for you, my man, right here. Look at this. Wrap a wet paper towel around your beverage. Put it in the freezer. In about 15 minutes, you've got an IBC slushy. Now, that's a, great, that's a great deal. Just get that paper towel. Okay, I can already see my son, his, his, his wheels are rolling right now. Going to go home and we're going to um, have to try that. Go to the next one. My favorite. Doritos are great for kindling if you can't find any. <laughs> um, I'm not going to ask if anybody's tried this. Uh, but the next time, you know, the next time you're out in the woods and you, you need to start that fire and you're looking around, you just can't find anything that'll work. You just grab a bag of Doritos and especially if you're lost, people can follow the nacho cheese smell. You know, they can just say, like, oh, I know exactly. I know exactly where they are. Uh, if it's not a life hack that maybe you are interested in, maybe it's a life coach. Have you heard of these? Heard of life coaches? I just did a quick search online this morning. And the, this is information you can find about life coaches here in, in Chattanooga. I thought this was a, a pretty interesting uh, statement here. This particular life coach and his coaching partners help their clients develop leadership potential and become catalysts for change in their organizations, businesses, and personal lives. You almost want to go and sign up for that, right? You become a catalyst for change. That is awesome. How about this one? Transcend your limitations. 
with the help of a supportive and experienced life skills coach like this guy. He offers one of the best life coaching programs focused on stress management and relationship improvement. Did you know that this is a multi-million dollar business now? Life coaches. Just being able to, to manage all the different things that are happening in life because I want to be successful in my business. I want to be successful in my family. I want to be able to fill the ground ball and throw it to first base. And whatever it is, there's a life coach for it these days. Because we all want to be able to live our lives to the fullest. We want to be able to succeed. We want to be able to be all that we can be. And it's in this setting or context that all of a sudden we pull up a chair to Scripture. And we hear Jesus say these words. These come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. And have it to the full. Now all of a sudden we hear the life coach say this. We, we see this life hack presented in scripture. And we're setting up and we're standing up and we're moving around. And we're saying, listen, hey, I, I need some of that. If this person says that he has come to give life and to give it to the full, all of a sudden we start to listen. All of a sudden we want something like that. We want something we can drink, a pill that we can take. What is it that Jesus offers so that we can have life and have it to the full. Now, when Jesus first made this comment in John chapter 10, he does so in a, in a different context than what we normally think about having a, a full life. See, when we think about having a full life, we think about having full bank accounts. When we think about having a full life, we think about having full resumes. When we think about having a full life, we think about having a full house or maybe an empty house. When we think about having a, a full life, it's all about things that we can accumulate, and it's all about how we are known, and it's all about our reputation. It's all about what we've accomplished. But Jesus uses this particular phrase, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, but he uses it in a totally different context. Open your Bible, if you would, to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Jesus is going to give us some advice when it comes to life. And he's talking here about sheep and shepherds. He's talking about how that sheep hear their shepherd's voice and they, they know that voice and they will follow it. But, but if someone comes in who is not the shepherd of the sheep, the sheep will not listen to him. And he, he then begins to say, you know what? All those who have come before me were, were thieves and liars. Maybe when you've read this passage before, you have thought that when Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you thought, you know what? That must be Satan that's being talked about there. But Jesus is actually referring to the past teachers of Israel. He's referring to those individuals who were to be the teachers of God's people. The ones who were to come and teach them about life and what true life was like and what a relationship with God meant. But for whatever reason, these shepherds of the sheep, these, these teachers of Israel had instead decided that they would focus on their own lives. They would focus on their own well-being and they wouldn't care about the sheep. And so because of that, you might remember another place that Jesus says that he was filled with compassion upon the crowd because they were helpless like 
sheep without a shepherd. Well, here in John chapter 10, as Jesus says, listen, I've come that you might have life. He's telling the people, those who have come to talk to you in the past, those life coaches that you have had, those teachers of Israel, they haven't brought you real life. They haven't shown you the life that God intended. In fact, his words hearken back to the prophet Ezekiel. In the Old Testament, you find God prophesying through Ezekiel, saying this about the shepherds of God's people. He says, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. God looks at the life teachers of his people. He looks at those that his people were to to mimic, those that his people were to model their lives after. Those that supposedly knew the word, those that supposedly spoke on behalf of God. And he says, you know what? You're not doing your job. You're not doing your job. You're not taking care of the sheep. They're starving. They're lost. And he says, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to shepherd my people. And then coming near the close of Ezekiel chapter 34, he says, I'm going to rescue my flock and I will, they will no longer be abused. And I will set over them the one shepherd and he will feed them and he will be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And so when Jesus comes and he says, listen, thieves come to steal, kill, and destroy. And all those who came after me are before me. All those shepherds who came before, they were thieves and they were, they were liars. He says, but I have now come that you might have life. He hearkens back to the prophet Ezekiel so that the people might remember that God promised there's going to come a shepherd. And there's going to come to someone who is going to bring life. And there's going to come someone who is going to bring protection. And there's going to come someone who is going to look out over us and say, this is what it means to truly be able to live. And Jesus says, that's why I'm here. I have come so that you might have life. And so that you might have it to the fullest. You see, the life that Jesus is talking about here is not a life that talks about full bank accounts. It's not one that talks about full resumes. It's not one that talks about full bellies. Instead, life to Jesus was to be understood as coming from and coming through God. It was a spiritual reality. That when we think about life and when we think about what it means to live, when we think about what it means to be alive, 
It is not just taking breath. It is not just being able to have nourishment. It's not just being able to go about and and do the things that we want to do. In Jesus' mind, true life was hearing the voice of the shepherd and following wherever it was that the shepherd would lead. The past leaders of Israel had robbed the people of the fullness of life that God had anticipated from the beginning. And so Jesus comes on the scene and says, I have come that you might have life. So we're going to talk about the idea of life squared over the next few weeks. And the main premise is going to be this point coming up here. And that is that when it comes to our life with God, when it comes to the life that we, that we live, we were made for God and we were made by God. Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, the Apostle Paul is talking to a group of individuals who are trying to figure out who it was that they should worship and what kind of life it was they should live. And he says, hey, listen, speaking of God, in Him we live and we move and we exist. We were made by God and we were made for God. That's why when Jesus comes to say, listen, I have life and I have it to the full, He uses it in the context of talking about the spiritual relationship that God's people have with the Father. And maybe that's been our problem for so long. Maybe that's why we we struggle and that's why we have so much resistance in our life when it comes to figuring out what does it mean to truly live? Because we don't have a spiritual existence. Everything we have is just on the physical. Everything we have is just the here and now. And the ideas of God and the thoughts of God and the teachings of God are far from our lips. You say, wait a minute, aren't we here at church? You know, my grandmother used to always say, you check sitting in a church building makes you no more of a Christian than sitting in a chicken house makes you a chicken. You can come and you can be here and, and you can listen and, and you can read, but it doesn't mean that you live. It doesn't mean that you live when you go and your life is consumed by how many hours you spend at work. It doesn't mean that you you live when you go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. It doesn't mean that you live when in order to to get to bed at night, you have to take one medication in order to get up in the morning, you got to take another. It doesn't mean that that you live just because you're here. Jesus said, I want you to have life to the full. I don't want you to go through the motions. I want you to experience the good father. I want you to experience the good shepherd. Because you were made by God and you were made for God. It is in him that we live and that we move and that we have our being. It is only in God that we discover our origin and our identity and our meaning and our purpose. It's only in Him that we discover our significance and we discover our destiny because every other path leads to a dead end. And so if you're here this morning and you came with questions about your own life and you're wondering, what am I here for? And, and, and do I have any significance? And, and what's my future for? And, and what's going to happen when I go to college? And, and what is marriage about? If, if you've got any of these questions, I want you to hear that over the next few weeks, we're going to come and we're going to walk through these ideas. And we're going to look at Scripture and we're going to, to allow that Word to speak to us about our identity and our origin. 
We're going to discover the meaning that Scripture speaks of when it comes to those that God created. We're going to learn what our true purpose is and why we are here. For a lot of people, self-help books, I guess, are the way to go, right? It's a billion-dollar industry. Self-help books, even Christian ones, usually offer some predictable steps as to, as to what you need to do in order to be able to find your life's purpose. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you'll hear it at graduation coming up soon. That you need to consider your dreams. You need to clarify your values. You need to set some goals. You need to figure out what you're good at. You need to aim high. Keep reaching for the stars, but keep your feet on the ground. That's Casey Kasem, by the way. Again, these guys don't know. You guys do. You go for it. You be disciplined. You believe you can achieve your goals. You involve others. You never give up. You can do anything that you set your mind to. These are all the things that you hear. These are things that you read. But being successful and fulfilling your life's purpose are not the same issue. It's not. You could reach all of your personal goals. You could become a raving success by the world's standards and still miss the purposes for which God created you. See, here's the second point I want you to remember. Focusing on yourself will not reveal your life's purpose. It can't. Because you weren't around when you were made. Do you understand that? That when you were going to be formed in the womb, that God knew you before that even took place? That Scripture says that all of your days were laid out in, in His book even before the first one ever began? That in Psalm 139, it talks about how that, that God sees your, your rising and you're going down. He sees wherever you walk. He, he sees wherever it is that you sit down to eat. That you cannot escape from His presence because even before He formed you in the womb, He knew you. See, we cannot figure out our own purpose because we're not the ones who made us. We're not the ones who created us. We're not the ones who envisioned life. See, it's not about finding the right career. It's not about achieving your dreams or planning your life. It's not about how can we cram more activities into an overloaded schedule. Actually, when you go and look for God's purpose, you find out that it's about doing less with life. By focusing on what matters most. It's about, what, it's about becoming what God actually created you to be. And you can go a couple of different routes with this. You can go just through speculation and you can guess. And that's what a lot of people try to do. You ask people what they think life's all about. And they say, well, I always thought life was. Or, or I think life is. And for thousands of years, brilliant philosophers have speculated and discussed the meaning of life. Dr. Hugh Moorhead, a philosophy professor at Northeastern Illinois University, once wrote to over 250 other philosophers and asked this question, what is the meaning of life? And then he published the results. Some offered their best guesses. Some admitted that they just made up an answer and they just sent it to him. Others were honest enough to say that they were clueless. And in fact, a number of famous intellectuals asked Professor Moorhead to write back and tell them what he had discovered as being the purpose of life. See, you can speculate and you can life hack and you can life coach all you want to. Or you can, you can go a different route. And it's called revelation. We can turn to what God has revealed about life in his word and 
and we can settle there. The easy way to discover the purpose of an invention is to ask the creator about it. It's easy. The same is true for discovering your purpose in life. You ask God. He hasn't left us in the dark, and He hasn't left us so that we will wander around and, and, and wonder what everything is supposed to be about. It's in our owner's manual. It explains how we're supposed to live. It explains our purpose. It explains what we're to avoid. It's to ex- it explains what we are to expect in the future. It explains with no self-help or philosophy what it is that God, the Creator, would like for us to know. So that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're just going to come in here together and we're going to open up God's Word and we're going to allow that Word to to teach us about what we are here for, what our mission is and what our goal should be and, and what our purpose is. One more passage that I want you to see before we leave though. In John chapter 17, Jesus says, and this is life eternal, that they may know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. The gospel of John is filled with Jesus saying, I know about life. He says, I know about life. I'm going to talk to you about life. It's in John's gospel that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But here he says, listen, if you want to know what life eternal is, if you want to know what it's all about, he says that it's about knowing God. And that word genosco means to know through personal experience. Now, here's the thing for us. Jesus says, listen, if you want to know what life is all about, then you need to personally experience the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. But I've already said, we've already talked about how that God is our creator and God knows what we need, right? So how can the one that, how can the one that created us and how can the one that made us and the one that fashioned us and the one whose imagination thought us up How can we not know him? How is it that we need to know him? See, the problem comes is that things now are not like they were in the beginning. In the beginning, there was a relationship between the creator and the created. You can read about it in Genesis 1, 2, and and 3, and you can see how that it was from the dust of the ground that, that God breathed life into man. That he became a, a living being. You can see how that there in that garden, there was a tree of life. You can also read about how that the created of God decided that they wanted to be like God themselves. And so because they wanted to take life into their own hands, life for you was completely changed. We don't know what it's like to live with God and to have him walk with us in the cool of the day. We don't understand what it's like for God to to place us in a garden. We don't know what it's like for God to, to bring all of the other things that he created before our presence and say, why don't you come up with a name for them and I'll just sit back and, and listen and watch and be amazed. See, we don't know that personal kind of experience and that personal relationship because of the sin barrier that is now present within our life. And yet there's something within us. There's something that tugs and there's something that pulls. And the only way that I know how to describe it is that we are nostalgic for Eden. We are. 
We are nostalgic for a different time in a different place. Something that we have never experienced, but something that our soul seems to have a memory of. That there was a time where the creator and the created were together and they walked and they talked and there was peace. There was a time when life made sense. There was a time when there was no hurt and there was no pain. There was a time when there was no anxiety. There was no worry. There, there was a time where didn't have to worry about what was going to happen to the children and how are we going to pay for tuition. Didn't have to worry about doctor bills. They didn't have to worry about cancer. There was a different time and a different place. And now we are nostalgic for Eden because we want to know that. We want to have that kind of personal relationship. And that's why Jesus says, this is life. It's not what you have now. It's not what you're living now. But life is knowing God, experiencing Him, and Jesus Christ, whom He has sent. That's life. Being able to return to how things were in the beginning. And so we come together today to, to worship. We come together to, to sing praises and to pray and to commune. And we come with memories of Eden, wondering if it will ever again be like it was, wonder if we will ever again experience life in its fullest. Well, I'm here today to tell you that that is possible, that life squared is something that we can have, and it's something that we can live. It's something that can begin today, and it's something that can continue throughout all time. We are eternal creatures. And that relationship with God is something that is paramount. That relationship with God is something that is the most important of any type of relationship that you could have at all. And so in Psalm 119, the pledge is made. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I have suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again as you have promised. Maybe you'd like for your own life to be restored. We're going to talk about that for the next number of weeks. I hope you'll come and be a part. But maybe you've come here today seeking life and you've already been in the Word and you've already been talking with others. You've You've heard about the story of Jesus. You've, you've read how that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And you want to have that life today. Maybe you came with the intention of being baptized into Christ, having your sins washed away. We'd love to celebrate with you if that is your need. Maybe you're just right now in the midst of some really rough times in your life. And you would just love it if somebody, can we just stop and pray for my life? I want you to know we have a couple of opportunities. We have one of our, our shepherds. One of our spiritual leaders here at East Brainerd that's going to be in the back uh, doors there of our lobby. And if you would like to go back there here in just a moment as we sing, and you can go into the prayer room that's located off to the side, and, and he'll be glad to pray with you. If you'd like to come before this whole family and say, you know what, I, I don't mind if everybody knows about some difficulties I'm going through, and I, I, I covet the prayers of, of everyone, we would, we would welcome you to do that.
Or maybe you just need to come and confess and say, you know what? I have lived life on my own terms. I have not put God first. I have not gone to his manual. And because of that, I am in a heap of trouble. Because of that, it hadn't worked out. Because of that, I am stressed. Because of that, my, my relationships are crumbling. Because of that, I have no focus and purpose. Come and repent. Come and fall before the Lord and receive the life that God wants to restore. Let's stand and sing together.